Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. My brand new book, Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth, is now available. So much more than a book, this is a guide that allows me to hold your hand through your birth preparation journey. With over a decade of experience and knowledge packed in to ensure you really are empowered in the way you deserve to achieve a positive birth, regardless of the twists and turns that crop up. Make sure that you get your hands on Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth Book now and are empowered to have the birth experience that you deserve. I am back for the third season and wow so much has changed since season two mainly in that I've been on my own journey through pregnancy and have joined this crazy incredible club of motherhood for those of you who don't know me I'm Pip a practicing NHS midwife and enthusiast of all things women's wellness I have a somewhat relentless passion for ensuring women are empowered with real, honest and reliable information and support throughout their pregnancy. Because my goodness, pregnancy is such a powerful time in a woman's life that is often miraculous and challenging in equal measures. Over the upcoming weekly episodes, I am joined by many leading experts to bring you the evidence-based information and top tips to navigating your pregnancy and motherhood journey that you need to hear. Needless to say, I had my notebook at hand when recording this season, and I would recommend the same for you too. I hope you're ready for the giggles, knowledge bombs, and empowering chats to commence. But before I get quizzing our guests on this season, I have some questions for you. Have you found yourself with unanswered pregnancy questions? Have you been guilty of trying to navigate the rabbit warren of inaccurate information on the internet? Do you feel that extra support and guidance would be useful to you? If you answered yes to any of these, then fear not. My exclusive Your Pregnancy Journey course is for you. Spaces are limited, so if expert guidance through each stage of your pregnancy and birth preparation and a community support group with 24 access to asking questions sounds like it's for you, then head over to www.midwifepip.com now to check it out. And I look forward to getting to know you better and ensuring your pregnancy journey is the most empowering and positive it can be. You'll also find information all about my antenatal course options on my website. And any questions about choosing the right course for you, then please get in touch via the contact page and I'll be there to help you navigate the right choice. There are so many myths and misconceptions when it comes to exercising in pregnancy. 
but none more so than pregnancy and our core muscles. Unsurprisingly, women are left confused, scared, and disempowered to embrace safe, effective core exercises that are fundamental to our wellness, to a healthier pregnancy, and a smoother postpartum recovery. That is right, ladies. We should not ignore our core in pregnancy. So on this week's episode, I am really delighted to be joined by Holly Grant, founder of The Bump Plan and known on social media as the Pilates PT, to discuss what our core is, because most of us do not actually understand it properly, why our core is so important in pregnancy and how we can be safely exercising it to protect and support our changing, growing bodies. Holly is a woman with a hell of a lot of passion to empower women to feel strong, powerful and healthy in pregnancy. And her message that you can be pregnant and powerful is something that totally resonates with me and that the world needs to hear. In fact, Holly attempted a world record attempt for the most pregnant women exercising at one time. That is serious dedication. Specialising in prenatal Pilates, Holly is an expert in the area of the core, stability and functional movement for pregnancy. And so we are in great hands for today's chat. You can find Holly on social media at the Pilates PT and check out her prenatal fitness plan at the Bump Plan. Both links can be found in the episode description for you. Holly is an award-winning Pilates instructor, advanced prenatal specialist, and experienced personal trainer who has worked in the fitness industry for over a decade. She's the owner of Pilates PT and shares her time between her online business and her luxury one-to-one studio in Fulham. With over seven fitness qualifications, Holly's one of the most highly qualified and experienced instructors in the UK and is a regular contributor to many major publications. Holly's the founder of The Bump Plan, which is a one-of-a-kind prenatal fitness program and runs successful live and on-demand Pilates classes daily from her Oxfordshire home studio. She's trained clients around the globe, including supermodels, international royals, And her studio has won the Tatler Gym Award for the best Pilates studio. Her no-fad, anti-diet approach has seen her as the go-to trainer for optimising function and performance over the last 10 years. But Holly is also an author of The Model Method, (laughs) host of the Strong Woman podcast, and acts as a consultant for various brands and luxury hotels. She works as a visiting wellness consultant for the Royal Masseur in Marrakesh and a global ambassador of Sweaty Betty. Holly's goal is to help every woman learn to love exercise for its effect on performance rather than for aesthetic gains. So welcome, Holly. And with all that going on, I am so grateful that you found time to come on and share your incredible knowledge with us today. Oh, you're so welcome. I'll be honest, it was a bit of a, a rush between teaching a class this morning, having breakfast with my daughter, showering, um, <laughs> and, uh, and making sure I was here on time. But you know, that's, that's, <laughs> that's mum life, right? <laughs> that is the proper mum and the business juggle, isn't it? You've got that nailed. <laughs> uh, no, I haven't. I really, really haven't. Um, but I don't think anyone does. You just do what you can, don't you? And uh, 
yeah, if it means that you sacrifice actually washing or, you know, straightening your hair, then so be it, you know, you just got to squeeze it all in. Da- I'm always for sacrificing the washing, Holly. <laughs> that never takes much persuasion in my life. <laughs> There's baby wipes in my house. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, anyway, that's grim. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, Holly, thank you so much for coming on. And for those, for those women who are listening, who perhaps haven't heard the message that you talk about, that I absolutely adore, pregnant and powerful. I wonder if you could just introduce to us kind of where that came from and why you feel that's really important because I adore that little message. Yeah, so I've mainly worked with women over the last 11 years, I'll be honest, you know, if I get a a man come to the studio, I'm like, oh, wow, it's an amazing day. Someone has told men that Pilates is good. So I've mainly worked with women over the last 10, 11 years. And, um, you know, we've got this whole generation of women now who who really are starting to love exercise. I think when I first started teaching, a lot of the, the dialogue around exercise was still around weight loss and aesthetics. And I have noticed a big shift, I think, as the, as the wellness industry has grown, people are actually starting to enjoy exercise and it becomes quite a big part of their identity and also how they, they support their mental health. Um, so I've worked with women for a long time and obviously over time they then get pregnant, they then become mothers and how they need to be trained massively changes over that time. Um, but one thing kind of stayed the same is that they they really wanted to stay active and they really wanted to keep their bodies moving. And I obviously know from all of my training, uh, prenatal training, that that is completely possible and safe and also very, very beneficial. But I felt that there was this kind of undercurrent or this kind of strange myth in the background that was making women quite scared of moving during pregnancy. They'd heard maybe, you know, of a friend that had a miscarriage and they were worried it was because of something they'd done. And so, you know, they'd get very nervous around exercising and then that massively affects your mental health and and who you are and how you spend your your time. So, um, yeah, so it became really important to me that I helped show women how they could exercise safely during pregnancy and still enjoy it. Then I became pregnant um, and stayed really active throughout my pregnancy, was still teaching, you know, right up until about eight, nine months pregnant in London. Um, And during that time, I just felt that there was a massive gap in the market, that pregnant women were not being um, supported. When you look online at images of pregnant women exercising, they're very clinical, they're very NHS, and they're often yoga. And if you love yoga, that's great. But what if you like weight training? What if you like running? You don't see those types of um, images online. And so I just felt that, yeah, I knew how amazing it felt to stay active. And I wanted other women to as well. So um, lockdown here, I took my prenatal training online and there were lots of pregnant women at home, nervous of how COVID would affect them, um, lonely, wanting to share their pregnancy with other women at NCT groups and not able to. And they were, they really loved, you know, the classes, they really loved exercising. And that's when we knew that we needed to, to get the bump plan finished. So when we brought the bump plan out, again, we were trying to to create the website and we were looking for images and they just were not capturing the essence of exercising during pregnancy so we organized our own shoots and during those shoots you know we had we didn't use models we used um like we our community you know we asked women do you want to come along for a really fun photo shoot and these are women who were staying active during their pregnancy and they looked so incredible exercising on camera they looked strong and powerful and then that's kind of where our 
uh, slogan, I guess, came from that we really felt that these images needed to be out there and we could show other pregnant women that they're not weak and fragile, that you are pregnant and you are powerful. It's not one or the other. And so, yeah, that's kind of where that then grew. I absolutely love that. And I totally feel that, especially as an expectant mum myself, who's embracing kind of an active pregnancy. It really is so powerful, not just for your mental and not just for your physical kind of birth preparation and, and health, but also that mental um, resilience and strength as well that I think you can get from feeling powerful and strong, despite also being pregnant. I just think that's an amazing message. So massive thank you for kind of getting that out there and helping to support lots of lots of other expectant mums to keep embracing exercise on their journey because it is so important. Yeah, and you know, we, we, we've got these women who are now about to, you know, when you find out you're pregnant, that's a, a nine months of, if you're first time mum, I guess, that's nine months of uncertainty. Like you've got no idea what to expect. So you need a lot of mental strength just for that. And um, you know, that is filled with a fair amount of anxiety, no matter how chilled out you are, you need mental strength for that. You're also preparing for labor, no matter how you birth your baby, there's no denying it's a massive event. You need to be strong for that. And then motherhood, wow, you know, that is one massive endurance event. So we word it as pregnancy is the longest marathon you'll ever run. Labor's potentially the hardest marathon you'll ever run. And so why would we want to tell women that they're weak and fragile at a time where we need to be telling them that actually they are so powerful and so strong and you can do this, you've got this. Yeah, I love that. And also we have this idea that in pregnancy, perhaps we shouldn't be doing all these things that we know we can now. But actually, when it comes to motherhood, you're going to be lifting your baby, you're going to be twisting and turning, you're going to be hunched over to feed, you're going to be pushing prams, picking up really poorly designed cots and, and travel accessories with one hand. You're doing all of these functional exercises that we've just told ourselves we can't do for nine months, but then we're expected to do it with a weighted baby that's ever growing um, with a postpartum body that's recovering and we're meant to stay injury free. I mean, it makes no sense, does it logically? <laughs> Yeah, I've never had more of an appreciation of um, how much you use your abdominals to simply just get by uh, until I had my, I had an emergency cesarean. So afterwards, every single movement you do, even turning over in bed is using your abdominals. So, you know, speaking to postnatal women and saying, don't use your abdominals, don't do any ab work. Well, they're doing it just getting out of bed and, and breastfeeding and bottle feeding. So yeah, the language needs to change, but also we need to educate women because there's no point just saying, you can still exercise if we don't then say, but these are the guidelines, you know, this is how, these are some things you should keep in mind. Yeah, absolutely. And Holly, that leads on really nicely. So we talked then about the fact that you do use your abdominal muscles to function in everyday life. You can't go a day without using them. It would be completely impossible. But what actually is our core abdominal muscles? Because I think typically when we think about core muscles, we think about those models we see in magazines with those ripped six pack abs that obviously in pregnancy are massively counterproductive and actually for most women aren't achievable anyway um, but actually it's not that is it what do we need to be thinking about instead yeah so I think, I think the first thing to say is that we often think about muscles as being like really separate things so we think about oh there's a muscle here and it does this and there's a muscle here and it does this and actually we know that that's not really how it works the body actually everything works together you know we've got something called fascia that that can make it even more confusing but it's basically that you know, the, the body works as a whole. So nothing is more important than an, another part of the body. And in Pilates, you know, we are, we are known for being a bit obsessed about the core, but we do still know that the core is one part of the big machine. 
But if we're thinking about the core, what we can really think about is, I would say for the purpose of today's chat, if we imagine from kind of the boobs down to the pubic bone uh, and wrapped all the way around us, if we think of that as our core essentially, and I like to imagine that it's like a tube of Pringles, so we can call that tube of Pringles our abdominal canister. So it's our abdominal area and it, it kind of splits us from our chest cavity, which is lungs and everything above the diaphragm, um, and then our, abdominals, uh, our abdominal area. So we've got in there, you know, our uterus, obviously during pregnancy and stomach and things like that. So if we imagine it like a tube of Pringles, what we've got on the top of that tube so your lid is essentially your diaphragm so your diaphragm is part of your core and your diaphragm is essentially um, a breathing muscle so it's shaped almost like a hat at the top of your abdominal canister and when it contracts it helps suck air into the body okay so it helps you breathe in and then when you breathe out it then relaxes and it goes back to a hat shape when it contracts, it flattens. And then when it relaxes, it goes back into its hat shape. So that's at the top. Then we can think about the bottom of the Pringle tube being your pelvic floor. So that's at the other end. And as your diaphragm is moving, your pelvic floor is also moving. But we'll talk about a bit more about that in a minute. So that's the bottom of your tube. So they're kind of holding the top and bottom and they're helping to control pressure in your core. And then we can think about the, the, the sides of the uh, tube of Pringles. At the front, we've got our abdominals. Um, and then at the back, we've got the muscles of the lower back, so multifidus and QL. So at the front, we think, like you said, about those six-pack abdominals, you know, because they're the ones that we might see. But, you know, you have to have a very, very low body fat to ever achieve six-pack muscles so I would just say let's none of us aim for that um but yes we've got our abdominals and I would say that the most important one during pregnancy in my mind is one that not many people really know about which is called your transverse muscle and it actually wraps around you like a corset so it, it, it connects into the, the front of the abdominals, so down the midline of your tummy, and then it wraps around and it connects into the muscles and the, the fascia at the lower back. So that one is quite literally like a corset. And that's a big one, which we can come back to later on. We've then got internal obliques, external obliques. They're kind of on the sides of your tummy. Again, if you've got low body fat, you might see them. Sometimes we call them penis pointers on men because they point down to that area. Um, <laughs> and then we've got the rectus abdominis, which are those, uh, those six pack muscles that we see down running down the front. So you can already see that that's a lot of different muscles um, all supporting one area um, that are all going to have an effect uh, on how your spine is supported and how your body moves. So that's essentially how, uh, how the core is built up. Now, obviously, our uterus is inside. So as, we, as our babies get bigger, as our uterus gets bigger, first of all, everything has to move out of the way for it, which is just incredible. When you see a picture that shows where all of your internal organs go as your uterus gets bigger, you realize how incredible we are, that we can literally rearrange our internal organs and still survive. Um, so it grows, your uterus grows, and it pushes out on those abdominals. Those abdominals have to go somewhere. So what you notice is that a lot of the muscles of the core will stretch to make space for your baby. And obviously as a muscle stretches, it, it changes how it's able to contract and support you. 
But I think the one that people probably worry about the most or, or notice the most is those rectus abdominis muscles. You know, maybe you've heard of something called diastasis from a friend or DRA, and you're a little bit nervous. Well, what happens as your baby grows, those two muscles, those six pack muscles don't connect to each other. They are like two strips of bacon running down the middle of your tummy. And they connect into something called the linear alba, which is like a connected tissue. So they're not connected directly to each other. They're connected to that tissue. And as your bump grows, they have to go somewhere, you know, so they start to separate. They start to move away from each other. And that linear alba starts to thin out a little bit. And so that's a completely normal part of pregnancy. They think that like 99% of women by the end of their pregnancy will have diastasis. It's a functional part of your bump growing. Um, and so you'll notice some separation. You might notice when you get out of bed that there's a bit of pushing in that linear alba. You might notice your tummy goes a bit pointy. And that's just the pressure in your core pushing through that little gap. Um, and then actually postnatally, for majority of women, that naturally just goes back to normal on its own six to 12 weeks later. For some women, it doesn't. We're still not 100% sure why that happens. And there's some things we can do. But for most women, that will go back to normal. So there's a real, yeah, there's a real change in your core. There's lots going on. But a lot of it is supposed to happen and is completely normal um, and is unavoidable as well. I think that's really reassuring to hear actually Holly because there's loads of kind of scare stories out there about diastasis um, and actually women I think sometimes are afraid to exercise their core in fear of, of um, exacerbating a diastasis as well but actually in pregnancy you're having that functional deep core that's strong and able to support your body can help mitigate so many common pregnancy symptoms and one of the things I get loads of messages and questions about is things like lower back and pelvic pain and as you just amazingly described we are so connected to all those areas with our core it's so fun um, fundamental to our entire body that actually by having that as a really strong functional center really to our, our whole bodies we can hopefully help to reduce some of those symptoms that can be so debilitating yeah I agree and so you know we'll often say to women you know we want you to have a strong core during pregnancy but then you might think well what does that actually mean so I think first of all I would say is if you're listening to this right now and you're not pregnant or you're in your first trimester so that you're thinking about having a baby but you're not pregnant yet or you're still in your first trimester so you can still you know move as you did before you don't have a bump kind of getting in the way I would say it's the perfect time to start doing core work and we don't just mean loads and loads of crunches if we think of all those muscles that I've just described they all have different jobs so you know they help us um, flex yep so they help us do crunches but they also help us laterally flex so side bend they also help us rotate so you know we can think about the obliques you know, maybe we've done oblique crunches and rotations, all of those different movements activate or target different core muscles. So when you're when you're thinking about strengthening the core, just remember, it's not just doing loads of crunches, you have to work it in lots of different ways. You know, Pilates is a perfect example of that. That's kind of what you would be doing in that. But there are other types of exercise as well. The difficulty I think women then find is, you know, let's say that they didn't think about that or they got pregnant and they didn't realize that they were going to get pregnant as quickly. And they come into, I see lots of women who say I've done nothing for like the last year and now I'm pregnant. 
And we sort of think, oh God, well now that's it really, I can't do any more core work. But actually you can. So when it comes to working the core during pregnancy, there's a few things we need to consider, but essentially you can keep working your core in a very similar way to how you did before. The, the considerations is once we hit about week 16, we don't really wanna be lying flat on our backs anymore for too long. In NHS guidelines last time I checked were kind of like no longer than around three minutes because when you're lying flat on your back, um, you know, your uterus is gonna press down on some pretty major blood vessels and you can feel a bit dizzy and clammy, but you know, you would know if that was happening pretty quickly. So it's not something to panic about. But that basically rules out like crunches and things like that, plus the fact that your bump is in the way. So is there any point lying on your back doing loads of crunches when you've got not much range of movement because your bump's in the way? It's not comfortable and also lying on your back is not recommended. So, you know, they're kind of common sense ones, really. Don't do that kind of stuff because it's not comfy. But some really great ways that you can work the core is thinking about how you load your abdominals up. So imagine if you're on hands and knees in four point kneeling, your bump or your uterus is like a weight, isn't it? It's like a little dumbbell in your tummy. If you, for example, one of my favorite exercises, if you're in four point kneeling and you just think about lifting your pelvic floor, like you need a poo and a wee, and almost like somebody's doing up a corset or you're hugging your bump in using your abdominals, that's your transverse muscle. That's your corset muscle lifting a dumbbell, your bump, and holding it in and then releasing it. That is a, an amazing exercise that you can do that's making the most of the weight of your bump that will really help stimulate the muscles of the core. So sometimes it's just about being a bit creative. Um, but some signs that you might be doing a core exercise that isn't ideal is aggressive doming. So as we mentioned, if you're putting lots of pressure through the core and you're not quite managing to um, control it, so the pelvic floor and the corset muscle aren't quite working together enough, to, to control that pressure, you might notice your tummy goes really pointy and ridged down the middle and you don't need to panic, it's not harming you. It's just not very functional and it means the exercise is a bit too hard. So either you would make the exercise easier or you would avoid that exercise. So that's kind of a really clever way of your body telling you this exercise is probably a bit much for you right now. Um, or leaking of urine or feces. It usually means that the pelvic floor cannot control that pressure. And again, it's got to go somewhere. So your body will tell you often if you're doing something that you, you know, isn't ideal, but it's not always a case that you shouldn't do this exercise. It's more a case of, should you really bother? Is it really that helpful right now? Um, or, uh, and are you actually doing it correctly? Or are you leaking and doming because it's a bit too hard right now? Yeah, that's a really good point, Holly, because I think often women will say, well, what exercise can I do? I've seen someone else doing that, but actually we are all completely different and unique. And what, what's right for one person, even on one day, you know, depending on perhaps your pelvic floor is a bit tired that day because you did something slightly high impact the day before, it's going to keep varying. So it is that listening, watching your body and kind of adapting and scaling things back, even on a, on a day-to-day basis, I find is quite important. That's so true. Yeah. You know, the, the questions I tend to get most are, what can't I do? You know, should I do a plank? Um, should I do this? And yeah, again, it's, it's, you know, really you can, you can kind of do what you like. I mean, obviously lying on your bump is, is not ideal, but there's not going to be many things that you would do that are going to, um, 
be very, very dangerous. You know, let's say you see your friend is doing a plank and she's 30 weeks pregnant, you're 20 weeks pregnant. Like you've said, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that you can still do it. Just try it. Are you doming? Do you have good technique? Or is your bump so heavy actually that it's causing you to overarch your back? Are you leaking or are you panicking that you're going to leak? And then if that's the case, move on, try a different exercise. But I do, I do want to stress, you know, don't, don't be nervous about doming. Um, you, you know, you'll notice you dome sometimes when you get out of bed, when you get out of the bath, you know, it's, it's, it's a normal thing that's happening. It's just, it means you don't really want to keep doing that movement. You want to try and find a different way of doing it. Yeah, that's really, and I think sometimes it's quite important to recognise that just because we can physically still do a movement, it doesn't mean it's the right thing for us to be doing at this point. Um, and I think especially for women that have been very physically active, perhaps pre-pregnancy, they feel like, well, I was doing loads of pull-ups before I was pregnant, but now, you know, I'm doing them with doming. And so just because you can do them, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a, the best support for your body at this time and, and adapting might be a little bit of a better option, perhaps. Yeah, and I do find people tend to fall into the, one of two categories. Either they're really nervous and they don't do anything during pregnancy because they're so nervous they're going to do something to themselves or their babies. Or they were active before pregnancy, they don't want to slow down, they don't think they need to slow down, and they sort of push through. And it's finding that perfect balance, you know? Like, yes, you are powerful. Yes, exercise is fantastic during pregnancy. There are so many benefits. But we do also need to just consider that you are also pregnant and your abdominals and to be honest, the whole body, you know, with the hormone relaxing and things, your ligaments get more lax. So you shouldn't really push your stretches as much as you did before. So there are some considerations that we need to make, but I think they're not as extreme as some people think. You know, you don't have to just sit and put your feet up. There's a lot you can still do. Definitely. In fact, please don't just sit and put your feet up. <laughs> Promise it's not going to help. No. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, Holly, how can, so having that strong functional core that hopefully we've been able to build pre-pregnancy and hopefully maintain throughout our pregnancy throughout each tri trimester how can that kind of assist with our postpartum recovery because as we spoke about birth by whatever means whether that's a vaginal birth whether you have any tearing down below whether you have a cesarean birth there is a massive um, overhaul of your body your body goes through such a massive event during your your birth of whatever means how can our core really assist with our recovery and how should we think about I suppose rehabilitating it perhaps so we know that during pregnancy that the abdominals have to go somewhere so they will lengthen and they will stretch but if you have good tone and good awareness of your core prenatally um, you're going to be able to recruit those slightly weakened abdominal muscles much better postnatally you know if you're coming if you're postnatal you've got straight lengthened abdominals you're tired you know you don't have much awareness of how your abdominals work it's understandably going to be a little bit harder to get that core strength back and um, so you know lots lots of our clients that I speak to afterwards they'll say you know I was really surprised at how quickly I felt back to normal again and you know your body wants to go back to normal and there's lots of things going on in your body that will help bring it back to to normal I know we're using the word normal there's no such thing but bring it back to a state that it was in before. I always like to remind people though that I, I do think we are always postnatal. So you, we see lots of images of celebrities all of a sudden looking incredible again. I mean, that's, that's simply not reality. And you will, you know, I'm two years postnatal, but I still have to think about, you know, maintaining my pelvic floor connection during abdominal work. So you are always postnatal, but 
kind of the effort and the work that you put in pre-baby is understandably going to help you postnatally. And like you've said, you know, there's no denying you are going to be picking up heavy items um, when you've got a new baby and they're all really awkward and cumbersome. Trying to get a baby out of a car seat is a nightmare, you know, even especially when they're a toddler. So you're going to need that residual strength to get you through postnatally. Um, so it's more about it's going to help support you at a time when you are not necessarily in the best physical shape you've ever been in and you're tired and you're in a rush and you've got a crying baby, you're not thinking about technique. So we need to make sure that we're going into that as effectively as possible. I think one thing that we haven't really touched on enough here is, is pelvic floor. And you might have touched on this in a, in a different podcast before, but it is a massive part of the core. And during pregnancy, um, urinary stress incontinence so um incontinence that's brought on by extra stress like sneezing coughing lifting something heavy um is actually relatively common and also you know quite an emotive topic it's quite embarrassing i remember being maybe 26 weeks pregnant with freya in a, in a cafe waiting for a meeting and sneezing and completely wetting myself um, and and being not sure whether to laugh or cry and thinking I'm a Pilates teacher and this has happened and it was mainly because I just haven't prioritized it myself so it's really quite common during pregnancy but if we're staying on top of our pelvic floor health and our pelvic floor strength during pregnancy then there's less risk of that and then postnatally you know even if you have a cesarean birth your pelvic floor has been through a lot just being pregnant your pelvic floor will recover much quicker as well. So we notice lots, a fair amount of women have stress incontinence postnatally as well. Um, if we can make sure that we're sending blood to the pelvic floor, we're working on those muscles, we know how to recruit them, we will just recover much quicker. And the pelvic floor is not only involved in holding in we and holding in poo, but it's an important part of you know, a healthy sex life. And um, you know, it's so linked to our emotions. So. I think just anything that you can do is is better than nothing and will help you postnatally. Oh, absolutely. Holly, I'm so pleased you discussed that. I think pelvic floor health is one of those things that is still sadly a little bit of a taboo. And we see the adverts on telly that you just pop a pad in and jump on a trampoline and leak and that's fine. And actually that's such a myth, isn't it? any of those signs of dysfunctional pelvic floor, there's absolutely things that can be done. And I think as we've kind of discussed really, during pregnancy and birth by whatever means, your abdominal muscles and your pelvic floor are going to suffer. They are gonna be weakened or damaged in some way. And that is an inevitable part, but that's why it's so important that we try and focus on strengthening them, make them as functional as possible during pregnancy. And then really that that's our fundamental rehabilitation in the postpartum as well, before we think about doing anything more high impact or anything more really than walking and carrying your baby around, we need to be really thinking about re-engaging those deep kind of pelvic floor and core muscles. And that's definitely something I've learned just personally throughout my pregnancy journey is the connection with your pelvic floor and doing other exercises. And I just wonder whether you could explain to us a little bit about how we should be engaging our pelvic floor whilst doing a core exercise or even just standing up from a chair or sitting on the toilet things like that in everyday life 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. So I'll try to keep... When you get talking about stuff like this, it, I don't know, maybe it's, I sometimes worry I'm boring people, because, but, but so I'll keep it as kind of simple as possible. But if we think back to my example of the Pringles tube, okay, there's naturally pressure inside that tube, right? Same as inside us, there's a certain amount of pressure in our abdominal cavity, um, also like a balloon, you know, a balloon filled with air. So if we think about that tube of Pringles, okay, if I were to squeeze it, uh, those lids would probably pop off, right? Because I've increased the pressure in that tube and that pressure has to go somewhere. And Pringle tubes are not as clever as us, so the lids just pop off. Now, if that was the same in us, if we didn't have ways around it, we would explode, I guess, or our head would pop off. <laughs> that doesn't happen, does it? We apply pressure in the way that we're squeezing a Pringle tube when we lift up something heavy. It applies pressure to that core. And our body's really clever. It, it, it absorbs that pressure somewhere else. So when I breathe um, in and my diaphragm contracts, it presses down on the top of my balloon or on the top of my Pringles tube. And so something has to react, something that pressure needs to go somewhere. So what happens is the abdominals soften. So you might notice our tummies blow out a little bit and our pelvic floor relaxes, it moves down. So it helps manage that pressure inside your abdominals. So when we breathe in, the pelvic floor is naturally going to relax, yeah? When we breathe out and the diaphragm moves back up and that pressure is taken away, then everything else also reacts. The abdominals draw in uh, and they engage a little bit, especially if it's a forced exhale, and the pelvic floor comes back to its start position. So everything works together. When we breathe, our abdominals and our pelvic floor are moving in time with our breath just naturally to keep that pressure going. Now, let's say we apply pressure and we don't breathe, okay, and um, we are bracing and gripping. Um, what you tend to find is that pressure um, has to go somewhere. And if the pelvic floor is quite weak or is not engaged and like prepared, we notice that that then causes us to leak. The pelvic floor has to just relax because it can't control the pressure and a bit of wee comes out, a bit of poo comes out, wind, what have you. So it relaxes. So what we actually, um, what we want is that we want it to be that when we're going to load the core, we want to make sure that the abdominals are engaged to support us. Our pelvic floor is engaged to manage that pressure. And ideally we're going to breathe out so the diaphragm can move up. So we're not just giving ourselves loads and loads of pressure that we are never going to be able to control. So if we imagine then that we're lifting up a toddler, so lots of us are pregnant with kids already at home, you can't not lift them. So let's say you're about to lift something heavy like a child. What we would say is engage your pelvic floor first. So you've preloaded that, you've got that ready to go. Try and engage your core and breathe out as you lift them up. So you're really managing that pressure. And actually, if you look at people like power lifters, it, it makes common sense. You see when they lift something heavy, they're going, 
and they're blowing out so they don't explode essentially and it's the same when you're pregnant you know you'll go you've got the weight of your uterus already bearing down on your pelvic floor putting more pressure on it making it more tired so we just need to make sure that we're preempting that with something called the neck we lift the pelvic floor we engage our core and we lift the heavy item whilst blowing out and that's kind of how you can work together and just one thing we can all just quickly do now because i think sometimes it helps if we can actually feel it if you guys all want to just find your hip bones at the front find the knobbly like hook bit at the front of your hip bone and then take the fingers just inwards maybe a centimeter or so so you've come off of the hip bone and you're just slightly inside them and then if you just keep your fingers pressed gently in there and then lift your pelvic floor a little bit like you're about to hold in a poo in a wee, you might feel the effect your pelvic floor has on your core. You might be able to feel a slight pressure under your fingers, then do it to the maximum. So lift that pelvic floor like you are so desperate for a poo and a wee and you really don't want it to come out. And can you feel underneath those fingers how your abdominals contract and then relax it? So just that lift, just that awareness of lifting your pelvic floor can fire up your core and prepare it for the fact you're about to do something that's probably a bit heavy or a bit aggressive and just help support you and stop you leaking. Which is all good stuff. We want all of the above. <laughs> yeah. And postnatally, um, definitely use the neck. So when you're about to lift your baby out of their cot, just a, li a little bit of, oh, lift my pelvic floor that will stop you leaking but it will also help strengthen your pelvic floor back up oh that was brilliant thank you so much holly for explaining that this is something that i really struggled with in my first trimester i went to see a pelvic health physio and i was like just assess me tell me you know if there's any weaknesses anything you need to work on because i really want to stay active and i really want to try and stay symptom free and she was like yeah everything looks great pip and then she was like right just um just do a squat with this kettlebell for me. So I did. And I held my breath throughout the entire movement. And she was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> this is not how we're going to continue to do this throughout your pregnancy. And it took me ages to really slow down every movement, like pause at the bottom of a, a squat, for example, and really think about connecting my breath and my pelvic floor. And it really was something that I struggled with for a good few weeks, trying to nail that connection. So to any women out there, I really encourage you to slow it down, you know, reduce the intensity of your movement, but really try and work on that connection until it almost becomes natural to the point where you stand up from a chair and you're like, oh yeah, pelvic floor. And then also you're going to then easily get your pelvic floor exercises in every day as well, if you're being active and engaging them. So it's kind of a, a double bang for your buck really in a busy life. <laughs> So true and I just don't think we think about the pelvic floor until we get pregnant or until there is an issue and you know it's not nice to say it but it's an issue because we've left it too long you know it's almost a bit late well it's not too late it's never too late but it's almost like if I'd thought about doing my pelvic floor earlier I am the perfect example I wouldn't have got to 26 weeks and then wet myself when I sneezed you know so it's about trying to nip it in the bud catch it early uh, whilst there's not a huge amount of weight on the pelvic floor making it harder and and then it will just become second nature. Yeah, it's that prevention's better than cure, isn't it? It's always that trying to kind of get ahead of the game. And I think with pelvic floor exercises, for anyone who doesn't quite know how to do them, on my first season, there is an episode with um, Claire Bourne, who's a pelvic health physio, who talks you through how to do them. So it's worth just recapping there. Um, but I find that there is this kind of, we have no excuse, right? Because we can do them when we're doing normal everyday activities. We don't need to allocate this special time of day and they literally take a couple of minutes. So my top tip now is I've got a little, um, 
um, note on the mirror where I brush my teeth that says pelvic floor exercises. So I know then I'm at least going to remind myself to do them twice a day. And it's just making it part of your routine, isn't it? Yeah, there's also an NHS app called the Squeezy app. Yes, I love that. Yeah. yeah. And that will prompt you and it will also teach you. So lots of people, um, you know, have found that really helpful just to just so that someone's saying, do it now. And here's how to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Holly, I just wonder, I know this is probably a question you get all the time as well. Is there any absolute no go um, kind of exercises specific to our core in pregnancy or perhaps throughout each trimester? I know we spoke about not lying flat on your back kind of second trimester, third trimester as your bump grows. But are there any other kind of absolute avoids that women should be aware of? I think there used to be. So, you know, I the first ever prenatal qualification I did was many years ago. And I've maybe done mm, three or four since, and they've changed a lot. That first one, they said like, don't do deep squats because it can initiate labor. Well, look, I was a week over the prayer. I had to be induced at 41 weeks because I had obstetric cholestasis. And I tried a million deep squats to get her out. I tried everything and it doesn't work. It's absolute BS. Um, you know, so it used to be that there were lots of things where we'd be like, don't do that. But it's it's mainly because, you know, you can't take a group of pregnant women, ask them to do a really dangerous exercise and see what happens. It's unethical and also it's just not, yeah. So, um, so for a long time, people just weren't sure. But now, and, and so I think it used to be very cautionary, but now we know that actually, you know, the, the, the main emphasis on safety is actually more about the intensity of exercise in general when you're pregnant. And I know you've covered this in a previous podcast, in case anyone hasn't listened to that one yet, you know, you want to be aiming for a moderate intensity. Um, so from a like cardiovascular point of view, you're still able to talk, you know, and you can still breathe and smile. Um, so it's more that from a safety point of view, it's more that sort of thing, like the, the intensity from a cardiovascular point of view, because we want to make sure we're sending all of our oxygen and blood to the placenta and not, you know, sending it into the muscles. Um, I would say... <sighs> I feel like with the core, it's just a lot of sensible, um, a sensible advice. You know, don't lie on your tummy. I would say past, you know, once you're in your second trimester or as soon as it's not comfortable, because obviously you're going to squash yourself and it's not comfortable for your baby. Um, any core exercise you're doing, it needs to have good technique. You know, if you're trying to do a full plank and your technique's really poor, you would be so much better doing a half plank and nailing it. So technique is just really important because we know that the we know that there's a hormone called relaxin and it basically prepares your body for labor it's really clever and it's actually it's peak during your first trimester um, because it also has some other roles and just before labor and it makes your joints lax it makes them soften because it wants to get a baby out your pelvis and that needs to relax to do that so it's a really clever hormone, but what it can do is mean that you are just a little bit more flexible during pregnancy. And so if we're not careful, let's say we did a plank position and we had really poor form and we allowed the back to arch really deep. Well, because we'd also be able to go further than we should because we're more flexible, we are then more likely to injure ourselves. So we need to keep that in the back of our minds. So it's better to do an easier exercise well than a harder exercise hard. And again, you know, be mindful that doming is not something to panic about. If you do an exercise and you're doming, you don't need to think, oh my gosh, I need to go to A&E. But you do need to think, right, that exercise is not working for me anymore, or it's not working today. Let's try a different one. 
and again anything that's causing leaking so it's more just kind of common sense really don't don't bump the bump or squash the bump I would say and this is still people don't necessarily 100% agree with this one yet but it used to be that we thought you shouldn't rotate really aggressively so you know loads of rotations like you might do in Bikram yoga might not be the best option um, but rotation is an important part of you know your back health so still rotate but I would just say it's common sense you know just don't go bonkers with um with the exercises it should be comfortable you shouldn't leak you shouldn't dome you should be able to breathe and it shouldn't cause you pain the next day amazing so actually loads that we can still do which is super empowering a really important message so much you can do and if you're listening to this and you're just thinking well I just I don't have any inspiration I just don't know what I can do then that is when you need to look for something that's prenatal like let the expert do that you know you're not expected to know everything and um, but as long as you go to someone who is qualified and knows what they're doing don't just try and go to your regular class and say to the instructor at the beginning oh just you know I'm pregnant because that makes it really difficult for the instructor and also it means you get a class where you're constantly being told oh Holly you can't do this exercise because you're pregnant but go to a prenatal class you know they're not they're not all boring. They're not all breathing. You know, in the bump plan, you're doing, you know, you're doing cardio, you're doing Pilates, you're moving, you're squatting, you're lunging. And and yeah, so you just need to find the right people. That's a really good point, Holly, because I think often if you do say to a non-prenatal trained um, exercise professional that you're pregnant, they are understandably so going to be overly cautious and probably rather you either didn't go or that you really tailored things back because obviously they don't want to be damaging you or your baby. So actually going to the right specialist is really important. And um, Holly, your wonderful bump plan that I have done some of, which is fantastic, is linked in the episode description along with your Instagram page. If anyone wants more information or just to ask Holly about kind of what you've got available, then that is all there for women to go to as well. I just wonder if you could give us a few perhaps go-to core movements, Holly, throughout each trimester that you might recommend for pregnancy um, and perhaps how often we should be thinking about doing these. Oh yeah, that's a really, that's like the golden question. You know, how many people come to my students? How many I'm like, I mean, ideally every day, but like who's got the time and the money? Um, so I would say if we break it down by trimester, and this is something that I, I do think is really important to discuss as well. So what I found uh, when I was starting the bump plan is I'd look around at prenatal fitness and a lot of the time you'll see classes that are described as pre and postnatal classes. Now, what you need at 12 weeks of your pregnancy is very different to what someone who is 12 weeks post-cesarean needs. So I think the first thing, my first bit of advice would be if you can find classes that are split up, so it's just prenatal, I genuinely feel you get more out of them. Okay, so that's the first thing I would say. And then if you can get it even more narrow, where it's trimester specific, fantastic. So the bump plan, for example, it changes as you go through your pregnancy and I get more pregnant with you. So we're always getting more pregnant together. So in your first trimester, I would say do as much core work as you can well. So do Pilates classes, you know, do, do planks. As long as you're doing them well, get it in now whilst you don't have the effect of, of a bump, yeah, and, and a weakened pelvic floor. So um, during your first trimester, yeah, thinking about, um, you know, crunches and oblique rotations and side planks and side bends. So you're moving your spine through all of its different movements. Um, 
I know we're here to talk about the core, but the other big one to get prepped for pregnancy is those glutes. Glute function is going to support your pelvis as your bump gets bigger. And that is going to really help with your core. So glutes and abs in your first trimester, for sure. When you hit your second trimester, that's when we still don't have a huge bump. Um, so there's still loads that we can do, but we, we start taking things off of, the, off of lying on our backs. Um, so I would then be making the most of full point kneeling positions, like I mentioned. So we call it abdominal hollowing. But I don't really like that name, but you're on your hands and knees. You're lifting your pelvic floor first and then you're drawing your baby in using your abdominals so we're starting to think about that transverse muscle because if we imagine what it does if it's shaped like a corset it's going to help carry the weight of that bump as it gets heavier it's going to act like a girdle so we want to start getting that prepped um, and just generally thinking about engaging it before we do other movements like squats and lunges so bringing it into every movement where we want to just stabilize that lower back um, you know, you might still be able to do side planks, or you might have to drop to the knees to do things like side planks. Again, as long as there's no doming, fantastic. Um, and things like bird dogs as well, or Superman, you know, where you're on your hands and your knees and you're reaching your opposite arm and opposite leg out, you'll be using the muscles of the core to keep your back nice and neutral. So if you had a cup of tea on your back, it shouldn't spill. So exercises like that, then by the third trimester, what we actually really focus on in the bump plan is starting to think about how we, um, how functional the pelvic floor is at releasing. So we do quite a lot of exercises where we're thinking about relaxing the pelvic floor, because if you end up having a vaginal birth, there's a period where you're going to need to release the pelvic floor to allow the passage of the baby. And we don't want to be gripping against that. We want to be able to let the baby out. So in your third trimester, yeah, staying on top of those um, transverse muscle exercises, we still want that to be nice and strong. You don't really want to be thinking too much about that rectus abdominis, those six-pack abs, because we want them to be allowed to separate and do their own thing. But I would focus then on thinking about doing your pelvic floor exercises when you're not thinking about anything else, when you're focused and you're making sure that you're lifting your pelvic floor, but you're also releasing it and you're knowing how to do that um, ahead of the vaginal birth. Because even if you've got a cesarean plan, there's always the possibility that the baby comes early and you end up having a vaginal birth, you know, and also a functional pelvic floor is really important postnatally. So I think it's more just about working with what you've got as you go through pregnancy and thinking about what you're preparing for, you know, in your third trimester, you're preparing for labor, um, however that labor looks. Yeah, that's brilliant. Thankfully, I think it's that reframing our mind, isn't it? Our goals are about when we think about exercising in pregnancy are very different to the goals that we might have had pre-pregnancy or even or even postnatally. You know, our goals are very much rehabilitation and recovery. Um, so that's really, really useful. Um, and I know that will help lots of women listening that are trying to navigate kind of what they should be doing, what they shouldn't be doing. Now, Holly, everyone that comes on the podcast, I always ask for three top tips. And I wondered whether you could share your three top tips to any pregnant mum out there to do with kind of their core and making sure that's functional in pregnancy. Oh, oh, okay. So I thought- Throwing you on the spot. I thought it might be (laughs) top tips for just generally like, you know, getting through, getting through this. So- I mean, we can roll with that. That sounds equally as helpful. Oh, well, let's then. So to be honest, I had, I had um, thought about beforehand was about being open-minded. Um, and this is a big one for me. So I am a massive advocate for hypnobirthing. The bump plan includes positive birth companies, hypnobirthing digital pack, because 
I did that during pregnancy. You know, when you work with a lot of pregnant women, um, you hear a lot of birth stories. And so when I found out I was pregnant, I was actually really anxious about labor, really nervous about it. Did hypnobirthing and then I was pumped for labor. I was like, bring it on. Because I'd stayed active, I was like, this is like, a, like prepping for a marathon. You know, you're, you're excited about it. You know, it's gonna be hard, but you're like, come on, bring it on. But I did really have it in my mind that I wanted to have a water birth, you know, I wanted no pain relief and I wanted it to be as natural as possible. Um, and then uh, and then obstetric cholestasis came in and then induction and then it, it ended up actually being a really traumatic birth. And I think and I think hypnobirthing definitely helped because I had to make lots of decisions on the spot throughout that long labour. But um, I was left feeling like, oh, I didn't get that birth that I really wanted. And that is really common. Um, and I, so I would just say, I, you know, yes, have a birth plan or birth preferences, but also be open-minded that labor's unpredictable and you don't know what's gonna happen on the day. And at the end of the day, what happens gonna happen, but you need to come out of it being kind of relatively okay with that. Um, and so I just think that was that was kind of my one one of my pieces of advice for expectant mums is that, um, you know, just just be relatively open minded, um, because what you don't want is to feel utterly devastated at the end of it, that it didn't go the way that you had dreamed of and had planned, because that is a possibility, even if it's oh, Holly, I love that you said that. that. Yeah, I absolutely love that you said that because that is literally the reason I started my antenatal classes because I was so fed up with looking after women who felt exactly how you just described after your birth that didn't go to plan A. Um, and so I always encourage women, you know, make sure that you have really good informed antenatal education, that you know about the twists and turns. And actually you can start to think, how would I make that emergency cesarean birth or that forceps birth? How could I still make sure that was really positive and empowering? Because there is still so much you can do but if you haven't been given that information, you've only planned for one type of birth, then you you kind of don't have that flexibility and, and that kind of headspace to navigate it. So I, I totally echo everything you just said. It's so, so important. Yeah, I just didn't even bother reading like the, the, the chapters about cesareans because I was like, well, I'm not having a cesarean. And so then when I did have a cesarean, it, you know, it's a bit of a shock. So I think whereas if I'd read about it and I knew what to expect and how many people are in the room, I'd be like, oh, it's OK. I read about this. This is normal. Um, so yeah, so that would be um, one of my bits of advice. Um, if it was to re relating to um, the core, I guess a, a big one for me is that if you're worried about your pelvic floor, I think during pregnancy we are, we're like, oh, it's just another pregnancy symptom. Um, like, oh, you know, this is just this is normal. But also trust your gut. So if you're worried that you do have excessive diastasis, if you're thinking, you know what, I am seeing doming, even just you know, standing up, moving around, lying on my side, or I am leaking and I, this seems a lot and I'm really struggling and it's affecting my mental health. You know, I'm constantly checking, like, is there a toilet nearby? I would definitely speak to your midwife. You know, I know that, um, so, you know, your, your appointments can be quite short and at the moment, maybe they're over the phone and what have you, but the sooner you can flag something like this, the sooner you're likely to then get referred. And, you know, sometimes it can just be nipped in the bud. Sometimes you can go to a women's health physio and they can check and say, this is happening, here's how to fix it. And um, rather that, then what, what I tend to see a lot in the studio is, you know, women coming to me five years postnatally and I say, what's your pelvic floor like? And I say, well, I've 
never be able to jump on a trampoline, but I've had a child and you're like, no, that's not, that's common, but that's not normal. And we can fix that. So um, I would say, you know, yeah, don't just suck it up and be like, well, I, I'm pregnant or I'm a mum. That's normal. If you're worried, go and ask for a referral. Absolutely. Pelvic health and women's health physios are so underutilized, I think. Like they are incredible. And even just, you know, just for that reassurance, that peace of mind that actually, you know, you, you're doing all right or you're doing your pelvic floors correctly. Because let's face it, as women, we're not really told how to do them. We might be given a leaflet, but it's like you're pregnant, do your pelvic floors. And that's kind of end of conversation. There's no one really teaching us how to do it, making sure we're doing it properly and assessing us. So yeah, definitely recommend um, checking in with a pelvic health physiotherapist if you can in your pregnancy and postnatally as well. Really important. Yeah, I so yeah, love that. Um, and then my third one again, is it OK if it's not correlated? <laughs> yeah, go for it, Holly, go for it. <laughs> it was to say that it was to kind of we do a lot of this in the bump fund. Like we just want to like tell people while they're pregnant, like do what to expect in that fourth trimester. Um, and so um Oh, I've thought of another one. But anyway, um, so it's it's being aware that in those first few weeks or just being really open about the fact it can be really, really tough, but it isn't for forever. So I felt like everyone told me like, oh my gosh, newborns are gorgeous. And oh, you know, it's so lovely. They sleep all the time. And yes, those things are true. And, um, you know, Freya, oh, it's just like the best thing that ever happened to me. But in those first few weeks, I think with the labor probably didn't help, but you know, there was a lot of crying from me. There was a lot of like, is this baby blues or is this something more? There was a lot of like, oh my God, what if my husband falls down the stairs and drops her? There's a lot of like, I really need a nap, but I don't want to be away from her. And it's really tough. You know, you've got so many hormones. You love something more than you've ever loved anything in the whole wide world. Um, and, and you can kind of feel like you've gone a bit crazy at first it's such a horrible word but that you know you do you think oh my gosh have I have I lost the plot um and also um yeah you can feel like you're never gonna feel normal again but I promise that you do so I hope that anyone listening to this in those first few weeks if they're feeling that way um that at least I can tell you that it's not like that for forever yes definitely get help if you're worried um you know I, I had like birth debrief things like that and you know, and did a lot of talking and stuff, but you don't feel like that forever. You know, two years later, I feel like Holly before I had Freya. Um, but in those first few weeks, it's just a massive shock. So just to kind of warn people so that then it isn't a shock and they don't think they're alone when they get to that point. And not everybody will go through that, but it is, it's, it's, a, it's a lot in those first few weeks, but it does get better. Definitely. And talking and asking for help. You know, I think we've we've moved into this sort of state now where we feel like we have to do everything. You know, like asking for help is some form of weakness. But actually, a few generations back, your job would have been to rest, eat and sleep. And someone would have been bringing this food for you to eat and, you know, helping you look after your baby. But now we suddenly feel like a lockdown certainly has been a massive contributor to that but we certainly feel like we need to do everything ourselves you know we have to have an immaculate house we have to have our hair straightened we have to be able to go and meet our friends for coffee with babies in beautiful outfits but actually none of that matters does it it's just stripping it back to that almost basic survival for those first few weeks and asking for help you know if someone's coming around to see you brilliant bring lunch you know or do some ironing while you're here and those kind of things that's what you really want in, in that that early few few weeks 
and they want to help, you know, like think of you as a person. If you say to me, like, can I do anything? When someone says, you know what, you could actually you could bring me some lunch. You're like, brilliant. I can help. I can be helpful. So you're not a drain on them. But a, bit, a really good bit of advice that I was given that I didn't take annoyingly. And I now in hindsight, I wish I had was that if you do struggle to admit to like friend, friends and family that you're struggling or asking for help because you don't want them to, to start worrying about you and talking about you behind your back. Oh, is she okay? Then, um, think about using strangers so someone said to me like get a cleaner or ask if anyone says what would you like for the baby say an hour of cl a cleaner once a week so that at least you're not having to ask for help from people where you've got an emotional connection you're just uh, you're, you're getting help but you don't you don't have that same admission to your friends and family like look I'm really struggling I need you to help me maybe get someone else who you're not connected to to come and give you a hand that's a great idea Holly I love that I'm definitely noting that one down <laughs> Yeah, cleaning yeah if you can afford yeah. it you know I think it, and but yeah I wish that I'd asked rather than all the baby clothes that Freya never wore in the end I wish I'd asked my parents like you know what what would be really helpful is just if you can send a cleaner once a week that would be lovely yeah I love that that's a good um like baby shower gift as well isn't it <laughs> heaven get, get rid of the pregnancy massage like so yeah <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah or a veg box or whatever that looks like but it doesn't have to be somebody close to you that does it yeah that's a really great idea I love that Holly thank you so much I know you are an exceptionally busy lady so I'm really grateful for you coming on and sharing your knowledge and hopefully empowering more women to feel pregnant and powerful as well which is brilliant I really hope so. Yeah, I, you know, if in doubt, ask for an expert's advice. But, um, you know, there is no research to show that exercising during pregnancy has any negative effect. As long as you are healthy, there is no research that shows it's linked to miscarriage or, you know, premature birth or harm to you. But there's lots of research that shows that it will help you in so many different ways. And some really exciting research that's suggesting that you might then end up with a, a child that's more active if you're active during pregnancy like stuff like that that's being being coming out now that's really exciting and um, so yeah but, but if you're still scared and nervous just get a professional's support but I definitely um recommend staying active whilst you're pregnant oh 100% I echo that it's definitely something to embrace and for anyone who wants to check out any more of Holly's resources as I said it's all linked in the episode description um, so definitely get in touch with Holly if that sounds like you. Thank you so much and have a wonderful rest of your day, Holly. Thanks. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you found it helpful, then please hit subscribe and leave a review. It really does make a huge difference to the number of women I can reach out to and empower with this information. For more daily free information, inspiration, or details on my bespoke antenatal education courses or your pregnancy journey course, then head over to my website, www.midwifepip.com and check out my Instagram page at midwife underscore pip. Thank you and see you next time.
Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revelhorwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.